0: You're listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest-growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And now your host, Dr. Ward Bond. Our guest today inspires mission-driven women to live their most authentic, vibrant, purposeful, and courageous lives. Tiffany Hendra is a wife, TV personality, empowerment life coach, and creator of the YouTube channel, The Coaching Sanctuary and Empowerment Company for Women. But Tiffany Hendra was inducted into the Bravo Housewives Sorority as a Season 1 cast member on Real Housewives of Dallas. She now hosts and co-produces her own lifestyle show, So Thrive with Tiffany Hendra, with the mission to help women get out of survival mode, and truly thrive. Well, in 2002, Mm. Tiffany was living a fast-paced, glamorous life as a model and television host. Externally, she appeared to have it all. But on the inside, she was slowly dying and spiritually disconnected due to the unhealed trauma she experienced as a teen. Well, she hit rock bottom and met God on the bathroom floor in West Hollywood from a near-opiate overdose. But this was the beginning of a very long mental physical and spiritual journey that would ultimately transform her mess into her message and this journey ignited a deep passion to empower women around the world to do the same so ladies and gentlemen let's welcome tv personality and empowerment life coach extraordinaire tiffany (laughs) hindra to the show welcome tiffany
1: hi it's so good to be with you thank you for having me
0: oh i have been looking forward to this for quite a while and it is so great to finally see you and meet you uh we have quite a bit in common as we were speaking off camera so i'm going to kind of kick that off right now you grew up outside of houston texas so how in the world did you make your way to hollywood
1: I loved that pre chat. Uh, not a lot of people when I say I'm from a somewhat bad part of tracks or, you know, lower middle class, people don't really know where that is outside of Houston. And you knew exactly you even knew, you knew the little tiny towns. So uh, I feel like I'm talking to a brother. It feels really <laughs> good. But I, I, I think going back, my grandpa would give me National Geographic, and I, I of course had a Japanese grandmother. My dad was born in Japan, so I always say my dad is a Japanese redneck. He is the most Houston, Houston Texas guy, and born in Japan. He's Jap- Japanese, but he has this red, he has this redneck accent. He drives a Corvette. He drives a Ford. He likes American cars, uh, but I love my upbringing. I always. Love where I'm from. Let me just preface with that. But having my nose in National Ge- Geographics and having a more international family, I just knew that there was a big world to see and started modeling as a teenager. And we mentioned the, the local colleges there in Houston. I did get an art scholarship, tried to do that. But the minute I was given the opportunity to get out of that small town and travel with modeling, I was like, where is my passport? I'm on the plane and, uh, and that was, that's what I call my university.
0: Well, let me ask you this because you, know, you mentioned mo- modeling. So did you kind of do uh, small modeling in the Houston area?
1: Yes, and you probably saw me in the Foley's newspaper and the, in the Houston Chronicle. I did all the Academy ads and the Academy commercials. I did, and if you remember Neil Hamill, Neil Hamill found me at, this, at the Baytown Mall. At the San Jacinto Mall, at one of those mall searches, I—it's that t- stereotypical story. Uh, but he found me in the mall. He was from—did you know he was from? He was actually from Baytown. That was his hometown. Yeah.
0: Wow. So I was found I mean- at the mall. Well, you, you mentioned just in a mall, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, there's so many malls now that I won't dare walk into. That's one of them. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> then you know, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and so you were doing, well, that's a pretty good resume mm-hmm. as a teenager. And uh, what, I mean, so did that even ignite the fire deep within you to, to go from modeling and to go to Hollywood?
1: Absolutely. Oh, I loved it. I loved everything about it. I was an artist. So, I at first my big dream was to either be a teacher or an actress. And so when I fell into modeling and realized quickly I wasn't meant to draw and I wanted to live in New York and work for a magazine. And I'll never forget my first Elle magazine. The cover of it was Paulina Porizkova. If you remember the supermodels, And I, I loved the artistry of it and then realized, no, I want to be in the ads and I love the creativity. So I was able to kind of marry my love for art and fashion and beauty, uh, with a way to make money and get out of my small town. And I just, I fell in love with, fell in love with it. And it was my ticket to see the world. I've been around the world so many times. I've been to so many countries and I don't know that I would have had that opportunity if modeling hadn't presented itself to me and then in milan i booked a gelato commercial by faking an italian accent and i knew then i mean i did all the church plays i was that kid i was in all the school plays and the church plays but never really thought a lot about acting um i mean i wanted to be an actress but i think it was more about the glamour of acting not the true uh, you know, craft of acting. Yeah.
0: Not, not the actual work
1: story. Yeah. The storytelling <laughs> of it. I, I learned that later in life, but in Milan, I had so much fun on that set and could see there was, there was a seed of like, I want to see what I I'm capable of. So I planned it then I was 22 years old and I, it took me about five years to actually get to Hollywood, but I set my sights, you know, heading west and finally did it. And, uh, yeah.
0: So you amazing, were traveling amazing. So you were traveling the world prior to actually making it to Hollywood?
1: Oh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it, if you remember, you know, Houston is so close to Mexico, so I the agents down in Mexico City would come to Houston and scout. And so I started actually making a lot of money when the peso was really strong uh down in mexico and then central america all the way down to south america and then got the opportunity to go to italy and south of france and japan and i mean i I, i've been everywhere very fortunate and then yeah hollywood came later
0: well was it and i guess in a way it is a blessing for you to be part japanese because you would have a different look than the majority of the models out there so you're the one that they probably went to because you know you were different, but at the same time, maybe a little bit more broad range into certain uh, markets that uh, others wouldn't be able to uh, get into.
1: Blessing, it's interesting you say that because when I was younger, we have these shame based identities that we step into as children. And there was this phase in junior high, I became a cheerleader, and a lot of my friends were all ethnic backgrounds and i remember i was made fun of when my dad came to one of my football games and i guess that my friend seeing that he was actually because i'm mixed so and i actually have dark blonde hair actually dyed my hair darker and so i was bullied and teased for my ethnicity and I didn't understand that because all of my friends were just, you know, you remember Benetton, the Benetton ads. That's what oh, would
0: absolutely. Say. I remember the stores.
1: Yes. So that was my group of friends. I, I, you know, where I am from. Well, all of Houston. It's it's very ethnically diverse. So it was very uh, challenging to be bullied and and made fun of for that. And it it switched the gear for me and not, and this shame started kind of infiltrating my identity about my, my ethnic background. Then I got to LA and yes, it was a blessing because this idea of, I think in the casting terms, ethnically ambiguous. So I could play Hispanic. Everyone thought I was French. Uh, a lot of people think I'm Russian because Russian have a lot of the, the high cheekbones and the, the almond eyes. So then it was a benefit, and I started to flip script with identity and really owning and loving the fact that I was mixed.
0: You know, that it's it's so weird that you bring up the name Benetton because I mean, I remember almost like it was yesterday. What is so funny? And I just want to bring this up real quickly here because what is so interesting today is that everybody's jumping into the diversity, the inclusion, and all this kind of stuff. When Benetton was so far ahead of the curve, back when, what what were we talking about, mid-80s? Mid-80s. Going into the late 80s, Benetton was like the thing, mm-hmm. but it was their ads that were, at that time, shocking, provocative, mm-hmm. and... So from there, I guess in a way, because of the way their marketing and advertising was, you saw yourself differently then. Was it kind of like a little switch that kind of went off that instead of being shamed or being picked on in junior high, which today they call it middle school, which is like the worst part of 12 years of education in school. That's Mm -hmm. like the worst time to to be growing up. But uh, was that the little switch that kind of flipped off for you that went, hey, wait a minute, from from shame to wow, this could actually be a blessing.
1: Yes, it was because and it's also getting out of your surroundings. You know, it's getting out of your comfort zone, getting out of what's familiar. And that that's across the board in so many areas of life. But I started dating a photographer. So he was an artist and that's one way I got into modeling. He was always taking pictures of me and taking me from, you know, that channel view Baytown area, which you know and we would go to the museums and the art district and the Galleria, and there, I started working my senior year, I worked at the Galleria for these Europeans. They had a little small boutique and they would bring in these, these gorgeous, extravagant clothes. And I, I was around these people that were from all different parts of the world. And that's not only modeling, but just getting out of my, my little small town and seeing, even just going to the Galleria it it started opening my eyes. And then of course, maybe a year and a half after that, I, I was able to get on the plane and actually
0: go to these places. Well, then when you finally made it to Hollywood, what did you do there?
1: It was interesting. I still because I had been modeling, that was the first thing obviously that I did, I got with uh, one of the best agents there started just the hustle of constant auditions. And I was the worst auditioner. I don't even know how I booked jobs. Honestly, I was the worst, my nerves. And now that's why I can teach it because I, I would let my nerves overtake me. Um, but qu- quickly I realized they would want the models for the hosting jobs because they wanted a certain look. So if you were a model that could actually be self-deprecating and learn your lines or be funny and be Im- improv, which is what I could do. And being from Texas, I always say that being from Texas, the women here are a different breed. We are a different breed of women. We are strong, but we are compassionate. Uh, Just, I don't know the water in in Texas or something in the water. I don't know, but casting directors started remembering me. So when it was, let's look at the models and see who could actually speak and have a personality. And so then I started to parlay modeling into TV hosting, and I didn't really even understand what that was, even though I was obsessed with Oprah. And, um, you know, I knew what a TV host was, but I'd never thought of it as a career. But that's how I fell into it just the fact that some of these producers would give me the opportunity and push me a little bit to see, you know, because that seed was planted in Milan on that gelato commercial. So then this whole world of TV hosting opened up, and then I said, okay, I really, if I'm in LA, it is crazy not to try my hand at acting because TV hosting. And I did, and I booked some things, and I studied with Ivana Chubbuck, who was Halle Berry's coach. She helped Halle Berry get uh, the Oscar for Monsters Ball, and Shirley Theron, Brad Pitt, a lot of those people studied with her. She was the best, I think but I quickly learned late nights, trailers, all of that. I was a teacher at heart. I loved giving people information. I loved talking to you. I loved talking to you through the camera. So uh, I tried that for a hot hot minute and then went back to my hosting life.
0: Yeah, um, it's funny. I don't mind being in front of the camera, but you know, being a TV host, just like you are, you know, there's a, there's a small level of acting there. You have to, it's how you, it's how you project the persona or the, or the words or the point you're trying to get across. But I want to step back in time a little bit here because in 2002, you had a near overdose, which led to your spiritual awakening. Tell us what happened.
1: Uh, The day I was reborn. It's so, it's so wonderful to talk about it now because I'm so grateful to God. I did meet God again. I was raised in church. I was never taught to have a relationship with God. So I think I was getting to that point. I was chasing fame and fortune and validation. And I was an approval addict because of childhood trauma, then trauma in my teen years that I never spoke about. I buried so deep like a lot of women, now that I coach women, so many women were either molested or sexually assaulted or abused mentally and physically and and back then maybe didn't have the tools or the resources to get uh, therapy and you know, now it's so openly talked about little T trauma and big T trauma and and things like that. Well, I come from that generation. You just keep you you know, put your big girl panties on and keep on moving. And what do I gotta do next? And I need to make that money and that's gonna fill that hole. And so in, I remember in 2001, the year before I was, I was miserable and here I was overlapping TV shows. One producer, I wasn't even, I didn't even need to audition anymore. Producers would just say, hey, we want Tiffany for the show. And it was, I mean, any girl's dream really, but, Slowly I was dying on the inside. And as we know, when you have secrets, it's a poison that, that slowly kills you. So to numb, like, like so many people, I was numbing with everything, you know, I was making money. So I was over shopping at Fred Siegel, you know, buying the $300 jeans that, you know, showed our butt crack back in that, you know, (laughs) from that era in Hollywood and, uh, Just over shopping. I was, I had eating disorders. I was doing recreational drugs every weekend. I have no idea how I got to the sets. I always tell people, I don't know how I was working and on, on stage 16 hour days for all these shows. And I can remember in 2001, someone handed me the artist way and it was an angel friend and he said, I just feel like you need this. You've mentioned a few times that you used to be an artist. And I can just see it in your eyes—you're hurting, and I'll never forget that. So I—I I started reading *The Artist's Way* by Julia Cameron, and she talks about morning pages and doing the the brain dump. And it is a—it's a—it's for artists and a spiritual reconnection when you feel blocked, whether you're an author and you're you have writer's block or anything like that. So I started journaling, and I started writing down what I really wanted in life, and realized I was going. I thought this, all of this that I was achieving was what I wanted, but I was spiritually starving. I was what I call spiritual anorexia. Even though I was battling bulimia and anorexia, I would binge back and forth um, because of the industry and because of the perfectionism, right? And I started realizing there was, there was something missing in this whole idea of spirituality in LA that is so openly talked about and so i did the route i went started hanging out with my yogi friends and started you know i remember standing in line for four hours to get a hug from the patron saint of hugs this heavyset indian goddess woman and she would bless you and give you a hug like i was seeking everything and the moment you actually start taking ownership of your life and, and getting real with yourself and what you want god and all your team of angels is there to conspire to help you and because i'm so hard-headed as my dad will tell you i think when my husband asked for my hand in marriage my dad was like well she likes to do things her own way so (laughs) you know so that tells you if your own dad (laughs) doesn't even really congratulate your soon-to-be husband
0: he warns him well let me ask you this tiffany because if For a lot of people who don't know, you know, a particular side of Hollywood, how big, or uh, let me, let me reword this. How addictive is the drug of fame?
1: Mm. Oh, I love that you asked this question. It, especially now, this was 20 years ago. I just celebrated 20 years this spring, 2000, you know, 2022 exactly two years from my rock bottom moment, especially now because of the Insta fame and social media and people becoming famous for not having a craft of acting or being a fantastic singer. So now they just want to be famous for the sake of being famous. But yes, back then, uh, you know, we didn't have social media, but I had the magazines. I was obsessed with certain actresses. And like I mentioned before, it wasn't so much that I wanted to be an actress because of I needed to express myself and be a storyteller. It was that I needed to be seen and heard. I wasn't seen and heard as a child. So I, I think with fame, it often is that deep, deep desire, please see me, please hear me. So it does become an addiction. Yeah, because I was addicted to it. I was addicted to everything.
0: Yeah, because even back then without social media, and for people who are, if they're film stars, TV stars, rock stars, a lot of people in the area of fame have underlying insecurities. A thousand percent. Oh, yeah, big, big time. And I mean, yeah. you can just talk to people and see it. And a lot of times they don't see it or for the majority of them, they're trying to bury it and they're trying to seek validation. But, you, but as much validation as you were trying to bring into yourself, It was never enough, was it? It
1: was never enough. And I was, we use these terms now, hustle and being thirsty, especially in the Real Housewives world and and all their lingo, it's like, oh, she's so thirsty. I was thirsty. I was thirsty for everything, thirsty for love. I was living a shame-based life, all of the things, and that is the lowest emotion that we can carry. So the God-shaped hole, you know, we hear that that concept, there truly was, because I tried to fill it with everything. The bad boys, I always say my my life sounded like a rap song. I was doing cocaine, popping bottles of crystal, and flying on private planes. I mean I literally was that girl. I was that model slash actress on Sunset Boulevard and Barfly hitting up any guy for a bump of cocaine and i'm very honest about it i was as soon as the week was over friday night's bar fly i mean i would see paris hilton over here and and that's i was so empty and i but i was searching for anything so yes i was making the money i was building up the resume people were beginning producers casting directors in this world of tv hosting um the food the over shopping, all those things and, and nothing could fill it. So what we hear that, that saying, God will, you know, hit you upside the head and then I'll throw a brick and then it's like the two by four. And it was, it was that screeching halt moment that took me to that bathroom floor. And I always tell women when they, they, you know, when we work together, I don't want people to get to where they're so spiritually disconnected that they don't hear or feel that the, just the tap upside the head. I don't want anyone to get to the point where they've got the two by four and they almost lose their life. That was my path. And that was my journey. But, uh, yeah, that two by four hit me over the head and God got my attention. And I got up off that bathroom floor was like, okay, it was such, such a surreal experience that I knew I was like, okay, Talk about putting the big girl panties on and learn who the heck am I? What am I here for? God, you, it was the first time I prayed since I left the church when I was probably a, a freshman in college. I was so spiritually disconnected again, searching through everything that was available to me in, in, in LA through, you know, my yoga yoga community or, or what have you. And, uh, that rat- bathroom floor moment, I truly believe that's, that's well, where my life began.
0: You know, a lot of people, like you said, you know, th- they grow up in church, um, they hear of God, but they don't know God mm-hmm. or they don't know the Lord. They, they go to church because it was the thing to do. Uh, it's a way to say that you have religion, but you have no personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When did your personal relationship start?
1: I, I remember feeling Jesus when I was little. And I, I remember, the, I have a beautiful little Bible. I was eight years old and I asked him into my heart. And then my mom was that mom that was, she knew when you know what it is to get baptized and you truly understand it and you let me know, wasn't forced on me or anything. And my mom worked at the church. My mom was the church, the pastor's secretary. So we lived there but so, but the, I, so we heard, uh, you know, the concept of Jesus and I remember feeling and I remember being baptized and I remember crying and I was this spirit. We're all spiritual beings and being an artist, I was that, that kid that wanted to be barefoot. You know, that little Texas girl that's barefoot and outside and I feel most at home in nature. And, uh, so when you're disconnected from that and you're seeking, so when you become disconnected, and then you're seeking through all these things. So even when I hit rock bottom in 2002, I can remember someone even saying something about, are you a Christian or something like that? And I was still so removed from it. And I was just like, it re- I was like, oh, I, I, the word Christian, even just like, I don't, I, I don't receive that. <laughs> and so I had to really go on my own journey because it is not about religion. And yeah. so. at all. And even the term Christian and the way it could be bastardized or the negativity that surrounds it. um, Am I a believer? Yes, I am a believer. And through all of those routes that I went to find something to calm me, to give me peace, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So when I, I invite Jesus in every day in my morning practice, I'm inviting in peace and I can feel it. And that is what is my truth, and all of the years of seeking everything. And again, I'm so grateful for that journey because now I can speak to the pain and the suffering that I created for myself.
0: Well, then when when women come to me. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because how did you know how were you able to get to the point to disconnect? in a way, uh, or disconnect temporarily from all the trappings of Hollywood and fame and to step away from TV for a while, because if that was what you used to fuel validation on a daily and a weekly and a monthly basis, how do you pull away from that pull of that magnet to finally find yourself?
1: I love you for asking this question, seriously, because it's everything. I was miserable. I I went through depression because you are removing and, and seeking God. So all of these external things that propped you up are taken away. And there was a shedding. There was, you know, it can be the dark night of the soul. The hero's journey started, whatever You want to call it, it started and it was so painful, but by the grace of God, I ran into my husband about a year because I actually came to Dallas right after I hit rock bottom. I came to Dallas to sober up and I had money in the bank and I could just stay here and I didn't know what I was doing and everyone was like, what are you doing? You're staying in Texas the whole summer. And I said, I just need to be here. I needed, I needed, I didn't know what I was doing. It was the Holy spirit. I didn't know. I didn't know back then. And so when I got ready to go back to LA soon after that, I ran into my husband who is a very strong man of God. And I knew then that God knew, I mean, we literally ran into each other on the street in Beverly drive and got married four months later. (sighs) And his example for me every single day, his steadfast nature, his love of God. He's a musician, which is, I mean, Beverly Hills Courthouse on our marriage certificate says actress and musician. Talk about a tough, tough life. Unstable. We are two artists trying to express ourselves and get married. His green card didn't come through in time. It was was so difficult. But him being an example every single day while I was going through that depression, while things were uh, stripped away, Uh, I know was part of the plan because I don't know if I could have done it by myself. It was very difficult, a very difficult time in my life.
0: Okay, so was this the the time in 2014 where you and your husband took that leap of faith and moved to Texas? Oh no, that was before.
1: No, so I hit rock bottom in 2002, so to timeline it really quick, 2002, 2004, we got married. And so, no, for 10 years, we were in LA Struggling. I had like four jobs. I was working in boutiques. He worked construction. Uh, I was starting to teach at a modeling school. I was trying all these things because I was seeking purpose and I highly recommend that to anyone. I I teach my um, clients this, they're seeking purpose, which is I believe one of our number one jobs here is God gives us these gifts. It's our gift back to him and the world to fully use all of them. So I was teaching modeling classes. I was um, volunteering and teaching. In Venice, California, there was a pregnancy uh, homeless shelter for women. I would teach them grooming and how to take care of themselves. And I was selling, because I loved fashion, I was working on third street at a boutique. Like I was selling skincare. I was doing all these different things and we were barely getting by. We had the ramen noodles era like legit. So I was working all these jobs, he was working construction, he put his music on the back burner. And then as you know, God starts shifting things and things started moving and happening. And my husband uh, partnered and started an independent label and produced an album and uh, things started turning around. And then one day, he, he just called me from his studio. And he said, I've really been praying about it. And I think it's time to take you home to Texas. Out of the blue, the man is Australian. He loves California. We have never talked about moving to Texas, but I knew how just the conviction in his voice, I was like, mm, okay. And I got on the plane the next week with Adam because he had things going on and uh, started looking for a place. And we moved, I think the month after that, we moved really fast. And- Leap of faith in our 40s, restarting life with no plan here, like Abraham and Sarah.
0: Well- Okay, now I'm, now I'm very intrigued due to the fact that I see this happen in so many people. They, fame and fortune, uh, or maybe not, uh, where you find the Lord, you know that you were so thankful that the Lord came rushing in to your life, and then all of a sudden, for a time, Things are not cool and great as they once were. It's almost like it's more fun and profitable to be in the world and in sin than serve the Lord and be poor. But there's a time in which that happens for a lot of us because the Lord is preparing you and, well, I guess getting the junk out Mm -hmm. so he can really use you for his purpose and So then that leads me to how in the world did you get the opportunity to audition for the Real Housewives of Dallas? Oh My goodness,
1: this is what's so crazy. And just a little sidebar, what you're talking about is a book that is stirring in me because I call that the cocoon phase. It is really the metamorphosis, the transformation that I believe when I talk about transformation in this space of being a transformational teacher and an empowerment coach focused on helping women transform their lives is that you have to go through the cocoon phases. And then I've gone through a few more after that. It wasn't that you just come out with your wings, and you're just ready to go.
0: Yeah, well, like yeah, happening I mean,
1: over and over, uh, yeah. as God pulls things, you know, uh, in a different, like different levels, up level, you know, that hashtag I, up level.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've always called it the desert. And yes. because you are there alone. There may be people around you, but you don't feel like there are people around you. And, you know, God is using, he well, He's refining. He's refining, refining you. He's getting rid of all of the junk. So that way, He can see His reflection in you mm-hmm. until it's time for the next step. So then you end up with an audition for Real Housewives of Dallas. First of all, how did you get it? And why did you say yes? <laughs> Okay. So
1: thinking we're leaving LA, I've had this resume, I've worked on all the big networks and, and everything. So, but I was happy because I was working all these different jobs and seeking my purpose. And, and truly when you surrender that thing that has had such a grip on you, that's become your idol. Because I wanted to do a TV show. I wanted to have my own TV show. And what does that look like? And I did million dollar pilots with Kelsey Grammer and Camille Grammer when they were still married before she did Real Housewives. And I had this idea of a TV show and then leaving LA thinking, okay, Lord, I I'm so exhausted trying to do all of this, have your way, surrender. We know so many stories like this as well. So, I'm ready because I'm exhausted. So, get here again in our mid 40s, not have a plan. My husband's a musician. You know, this isn't technically a music town. And, you know, I'm a TV host, all these things. I'd started my YouTube channel, but oh my goodness, I hadn't started coaching full time yet. And so, we get here and this email is circulating. And my girlfriend, I'll never forget because I'm not one to pick up my phone. I'm not a phone person. And she was like, not texting me 911. Call me. And she said, there's this email, there's this audition going around. I'm going to send you the email. It sounds exactly like, because I did want to have my own show. And I wanted to grow Sanctuary of Style into a TV show and the brand was building. And I thought Bethany Frankel, and I actually had it on my vision board. I had it on my vision board and my goals the year we moved Bethany Frankel's plan of getting reality show exposure, but I didn't mean real house, like a real housewife show. And there wasn't a real housewives in Texas. So, oh my goodness. I sent in my application. It was not real housewives. So when you say, why would you do that? (laughs) We didn't, we weren't named real housewives until the show was in the can. We didn't know that that's what it was. It was a working title, it was a working title, docu-series about women in Texas that were philanthropic, that loved girl time, that were fashionable, N- Not none of us thought that it was going to be a Real Housewives show. It was never talked about while we filmed, so it was a big surprise, as you can imagine.
0: So when So when you found out what the show was being called, what happened?
1: I'll never forget, I was in my first Texas Rangers game, and I'm not a sports girl, and I was with a few of my friends that actually had also moved from LA. And it was nine o'clock at night, and my produ- my executive producer of the show was on my phone. I was like, that is so strange, he's calling me so late. And that's when he told me. He said, "I just, we're making all the calls now to let you ladies know that the show is going to be the first new, I think I, there hadn't been a new franchise in like seven years or something. You guys are Real Housewives of Dallas. And I was just like, I knew right then at that Texas Rangers game that, like, it was all going to hit the fan. Life's going to change. What did I get myself into? Um, yeah.
0: So you were only on there for one season?
1: One season. One season. And that's, that was enough. That was oh, enough.
0: Oh, so you didn't want to do another season?
1: No. Why? Wow. It it well for someone who had gone through all I had with healing, and I still had a lot of healing to do. I mean, again that that show and how it took me down with my health actually was another rock bottom moment that I'm so grateful for. At the time, I was cussing Andy Cohen and Bravo and all of them, the women like everyone, it, it is a show that is made off of, of course, drama. Yeah. So when you're, when you're healed and you're really coming into yourself, getting to know yourself and then you're putting, put back in this atmosphere. Uh, it was, it was, I always say it's the most, it's one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my life.
0: Well, you, the thing that I, right, from, from someone who would see it from the outside, um. And and from all of the different Real Housewife franchises, I look at it as my view of it is all the women end up being villains. Mm-hmm. Um, some That's of how them, you get
1: camera time,
0: right? And then some of them don't know how to channel. Well, they lose them. They lose their actual true identity once the show airs. And if they ever want to be nice and sweet and helpful to somebody, no one can picture that. They can only picture what is on screen. And some of these women, probably from their PR uh, agencies, feed that to the paparazzi Mm -hmm. for, for every photo they can get into people or TMZ. And to me, some of these women just look like walking train wrecks.
1: Yes and that, that's what the entire energy I'm an energy person so my intention going into to the show even though we didn't know what it was I knew this could help Aaron's music this could help me with my intention of taking sanctuary of style I even got to film an episode with one of the cast members in her closet and so it did it did help I mean the benefits and the blessings that have come from that. And some of my clients are like, I'm so glad you did the show because I wouldn't have known who you were and, and you've helped me in my life and things like that. So I shifted into this bless, this, such a big blessing, just one season and what God was able to do with it. But you're right. You... I got cut out of so many scenes because that wasn't my true nature, and
0: well, okay, and I, bet- I
1: wasn't drama. I, 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 I'm a peacemaker. Okay, the peacemakers do not make for good TV when it comes to the Bravo network. So, well,
0: see, that's what I was going to ask you because how did the producers of the show portray you to the viewership?
1: Luckily. And this is something they set us all down and because they do push you, we, first of all, now the ladies, if they know they are, they're being cast for the Real Housewives, they can go into it knowing what to expect and to guard themselves a little bit, act right. They act a little bit, they add up the drama, they go bigger and you know, it's like, take it up a notch, go a little bit bigger for camera, but we didn't. We, we were literally like, you're going to follow our life. And I had just moved here and I had some friends here, one who booked the show. So of course we were always together, not realizing that the other cast members were being pinned against us. So it was all this, I literally couldn't understand what was going on. Well, now if you're cast in a Real Housewives show for Bravo, you know, you know what you're getting into. I didn't know what I was getting into. So. Yes, I tried as hard as I could, even though I would be pushed or, you know, a lot of alcohol involved and they would, they would make sure there was plenty of champagne at all the scenes because you you know, that heightens everything.
0: All right. Well, to the fire. All right. Here's what I want everybody to realize. And, And I, and I got this line from a friend of mine, because if you end up at a get together or a party. Uh, he would never drink, <clears throat> and and I and I always asked him. I go, we, the joke was, what he got in the glass, and he would just kind of laugh, and and you know he would tell me uh, privately. He said, it's it's just iced tea, and uh, he said, first of all, you never enter in into a situation because with alcohol, because that's truth serum. Yes, it and, really is. And when you said that the alcohol was free and flowing on Real Housewives that's what they wanted they wanted everybody's bad side giggly side crazy side to come out all at one time
1: well and and you really learn with some of these stars the 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 few that you can name on one hand that everyone knows from bethany danini vicky from brandy and the rest of them yeah they uh they're known for their antics when they're drunk and they're funny And it's all about not having a filter. So coming from someone that had started a YouTube channel about empowering women and uplifting women, this was a disaster for someone like me, who was also from a new, new, I grew up in Texas, but this was a whole new world to me. The Dallas that I left was not the same Dallas. I came back with a husband. I came back with the Lord, all these, I was a different person.
0: Well, and then, so how to be thrown Tiffany, into
1: the mix? It was, it was, it was something else.
0: Well, then, how did you turn your side gig of being an empowerment coach into a business helping women on their own empowerment and their wellness journey? Because mm-hmm. in a way, I guess I can see where the Real Housewives of Dallas, you know, gives you that great exposure. And it seemed like you really, even though you didn't know what the name of the show was going to be, you seemed to have played it smart within the filming, not to, well, damage your future brand.
1: And I receive that too, because everywhere I go, some people, even though the show was five, six years ago, if it's on digitally on the different platforms, people are just now watching Real Housewives of Dallas and they start with season one. And so when they meet me or they connect with me on Instagram and One of the biggest compliments that, that I know God had his hand over this situation, even though it was so challenging is that they, they say, you are true to yourself. You were true to yourself. They even caught me praying. I didn't realize the cameras were on. I was praying for my friend. She was about to approach another friend, um, and confront her. And she was super nervous. And I said, let's calm down and pray. And they actually caught and they actually showed it. And I remember having a, a, a young girl on Twitter, cause we had to be on Twitter on Twitter, um, contractually, we had to tweet with the fans and that's a whole nother toxic wasteland, yes. but th- how God can use anything. This young woman said, I saw you pray on the show and I have turned my back on God, but I know I need, how do I even start praying again? So we started this dialogue. And then about a year later, she messaged me again. She said, I just bought myself, it was 25th birthday. She said, I just bought myself a Bible for my 25th birthday. And I don't know that I would have come this far. And then I finally met her when on one of my trips to LA. She lives in California. If you hadn't prayed on Real Housewives because that planted a seed in her to start praying. So all of a sudden done the rock bottom drinking too much. I didn't do another drug since 2002, but I, I abused alcohol. Uh, that was another rock bottom moment. So once I came out of that, I had to go on to a whole new level. Plus I was 45 and starting like the whole perimenopausal journey and my hormones were out of whack. So there were days where I literally, my body was so inflamed that I felt like I was getting arthritic. My hip had this little creak in my, my nips, my knees were hurting. And I remember being flat on my back, could not get out of bed after the show. And I remember going to do the reunion in New York and I had chronic bronchitis during the filming. I was on constant cold medicine. I was sick during that filming and I looked so much older than I do now. So that, again, grateful for it, because that whole new level of spiritual healing, wellness that I had to go through in that season, and then people started to recognize me and I started and to wear another brick upside of my head where God is like, I'm over here because I was so myopic about having my TV show and sanctuary of style and I was trying to heal and I was a hot mess again. I'm like all this healing that I had done and I'm in this, this situation again. And God's like, Hey girl, I'm over here. These women are wanting to hire me and pay me money. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I finally did the pivot and I said, okay, I surrendered again. I said, whatever you want me to do, because I'm exhausted again. And so that's when that journey started. My roster grew really fast. I didn't know how to handle that, so I had to slow the brakes, get into a year-long coaching program to learn the. I had the natural giftings, but I needed to learn the business, and I needed to learn how to, to harness, you know, and still not healed from codependency, which you know that's a whole nother thing. You know that coaches and therapists and and servant, you know, servant leaders have a have to heal is their codependency. And, and here we are, here we are. So I'm able to use all of that. I have a mastermind now and all they wanted to talk about last week was, Tiff, you talk about water and you always have your water and you're about to be 51 years old and I don't get it because you look younger now and you know, all this kind of stuff. So this holistic approach to their empowerment and, and I don't empower anyone. I don't heal anyone. I'm being a guide, uh, and they empower themselves. And I am my whole basis for my, for everything that I do is helping women align with God. And that is where true transformation. That is where true empowerment and my whole, my wellness, I was ill in every area. My wellness comes from having that foundation.
0: So Yeah. And and it really goes back to the beginning where, your own mess becomes your message or your test becomes your testimony Mm -hmm. and that's what you're doing now now let's let's talk about something amazing and fun uh your television show so thrive Mm -hmm. how did this come about and what's what's ahead
1: it's so exciting because i into in 2020 I had surrendered, right? So I was, I was building this coaching business and I was having that inkling again, and that's, I always tell women to pay attention to those things. If you've lost that flicker, go back to the things that light you up. And I love being on camera. I've built, I will do my IGTVs and my YouTube videos and and in the summer of 2020, which I think for most people, it was a season of what do you really want? A lot of, unfortunately, a lot of divorces happened, but you know, the rubber hit the road for people and saying, okay, this pandemic caused us to go within. We, you know, people were physically stuck at home and forced to look at themselves and I did the same thing. And I remember that summer saying, do I really, okay, I'm going to give myself permission. God, I I still want a TV show. I still, I'm a teacher, whether I'm one-on-one with clients or I'm on my Insta stories. I still want a TV show. I love being in front of the camera. It's, you know, I'm an introvert, but I love, this is my happy place. So is, can I ask for that again? Can I unshelf some ideas? And I remember exploring and spending a weekend with God and I lit candles and I had beautiful music playing and I just spent time alone exploring. I think a lot of people did that during 2020. And I started seeing this word thrive. I said, it's more than sanctuary of style, even though I'm clearly a glamour girl. And I I love beauty products and all the things, but I, 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 it was about survival mode. It was, it was, I was in survival mode most of my life and I was exhausted. And so what does it mean to thrive? And that word is used a lot. There's a lot of products with thrive, but I, so I put it really big. It was on my vision board. And I started meditating on that word. I, I love. I love, I love words. I'm a word girl. What does that mean to me? And I kid you not, a month later, after I finally gave myself permission to let, to dust off this dream and Christian reached out to me and he had this idea about a show that concept we could do. And he and the, and his co-founder Casey had built this platform out of 2020 called my wellness by nature and getting contributors. Doctors that were all about getting to the root causes of, of of illness, so that people could live well, instead of just putting a band aid or popping a pill and things like that, and truly being this this platform of contribution to the world, which is what I was all about. And I had just gone through this intense wellness journey, and I'd learned everything. I'm like I'm like a kid. I soak it all up. I learn everything. I did a retreat, Tony Robbins wellness <laughs> retreat this weekend. Well. Everybody is probably at the lake. I was like, I can wait to do this wellness um, retreat here at home. It was virtual. So we got together and literally felt like we were family. We had this, we had the same ideas. They took, they, it's again being seen and heard. So you clearly know this, if you're working with producers or agents or people in a collaborative way, uh, with TV shows and concepts, you really, especially at this point in my life, it has to fully be, you know, me. It has to, it well, is all about me and yeah. not being changed or morphed or pushed to act a certain way.
0: Yeah. And and with that time in life, and I know exactly what you're talking about, it becomes a purpose. It's not yes. just doing it to, doing, to do it for like yourself, like most of Hollywood, you know, it's, Hollywood's very self-absorbed, but When you get into things like wellness, um, from, from any point of view, body, mind, and spirit, there becomes, it becomes very purpose driven Yes. and your show. So thrive is very, uh, purpose driven. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's considered a docu series and you Mm -hmm. interview leading holistic doctors and experts. Um, what did you learn from filming it?
1: Oh, I'm still learning. Every time we film, we just went to Florida and because I'm on this menopause journey, I'm very open about sharing everything in my life and being able to sit down with a a, a female doctor. So she's gone through it herself and to speak on the ways that women can truly thrive by optimizing. And it's not even just replacing your hormones, but optimizing your hormones and, and truly thriving where I remember I tried this journey at 45 and they were like, well, your body's going to fall apart. And I started getting really upset with a lot of these women, including myself, where you would go and you don't know what's wrong with you. And I can remember that journey being on a walk. I'd listened to TD Jakes and I was all filled up and I got in the car and I was sitting at the light and I just started getting weepy. And all of a sudden I was like, my life is horrible. I felt this dip in my energy and I'm like, there's something wrong because this is, I just had this beautiful, I'm a walker, I love to walk and, and I had this beautiful message and I've got, I've got to reach out for help. So it was that, that, that comeback with, well, here, here's an antidepressant. I said, no, I've been down that route before. That did not work for me. And so it is about empowering yourself. So these doctors that I love that we have partnered with on this platform, they are about partnering. They are not about just giving you a prescription and giving you something to sell because they're so myopic and it's like, we just need to sell our product or our way of doing things or having the surgery or whatever. They partner with you because clearly menopausal women, this is a journey. This is not just something that you get your hormones, and you get a little, you know, testosterone pellet, and you feel better. It has been a year long journey. So they partner with you. So what I feel is one of the doctors um, with age rejuvenation that I'm thinking of in particular in Florida, he really partners to empower his patients. So it's similar to what I do, I don't empower these women but there's tools, there's conversations, helping them get in tune with their body. And that's what these practitioners do. And so Christian and Casey have built this platform to bring all of these types of doctors together. And I'm not trying to bash regular, you know, your, your general practitioner or whatever, but these are doctors that are special specialists in their field that truly have that proactive approach instead of reactive because you're sick. And here's we got to do this stat, because it's all about well prevention. Why don't we? Why don't we go along on this journey and pay attention, be in tune with your body. And so, so I'm all about longevity right now. I'm
0: oh, obsessed. no. I, oh, I, I am there. No, I am there on the longevity deal. And it was, it's funny, because a lot of people don't know the difference between a conventional doctor and a holistic doctor. And when, when I say, and if Tiffany says it too, ladies and gentlemen, holistic doctor, they are MDs. Most likely they'll be DOs. That kind of really kind of gives it a little extra oomph on mm-hmm. the MD. But Tiffany, it was so funny because I used to have this holistic doctor and he always, he, he kind of laughed because he said, you know what? He goes, you're the only person that comes in here not trying to fix something you're coming in here to get better yes and And that's
1: living well yeah because definition of living well
0: yeah you know to me you know i see people um who are in my age bracket and and i'm looking at them like what happened to you you look like 25 years older than i do you're barely moving Mm -hmm. um Uh, It's almost like you're already planning your funeral before you die kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to live lives like that. You know, we can do things to regenerate. And it's funny you bring up for women, especially in the area of hormones, and you've learned this. So many women think that the moment they take that pill and about three days later, they're going to feel like a million bucks. But hormones work so slowly, you really got to focus on it for the next six months to a year to really get to the point where you're like, oh, this is where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And feel great. You know, it's a journey, it's a process. It does not pop the magic pill and everything's okay.
1: No, and and the women that so a lot of my clients, they come to me for empowerment or they've gotten out of a marriage, they're in their 40s. So I'm talking and I am an advocate. And and the, the company that I'm an advocate for is called Sotopelli. And it was a doctor in uh Scottsdale, Arizona. He's now passed, but but he had that mentality of let's check the data, the blood work every single time to see what your levels are. And I think the, the doctor I worked with when I was 45, it was like, let's flood her with as much testosterone as a 250 pound man that's 60 years old. And it was my body got so out of whack. So and, I, yeah. I love that I'm going on this journey because I'm sharing it with women and there's women that are in their late thirties and perimenopause, and they just think they're depressed and they're gaining weight and they're getting on antidepressants and they're not getting to the root cause. And so I'm being very vocal. It's not a sexy topic. It's not, you know, the latest lip gloss, but as we know, being purpose driven people that I'm at that point now where it used to be, I want to fit in my skinny jeans. I had the eating disorders. I, I was hired for how fit my body was. And so I literally was a slow suicide, what I did. I was a trash can where I would starve myself. I remember thinking I never even drank water. I mean, I it's like, what was water, right? So now I've got stuff to do. God has women for me to help. I've got TV shows, platforms, whatever I can share this message and I need energy. I mean, I just, I follow Joyce Meyer. Joyce Meyer was pivotal And after I hit rock bottom. And the woman is 80 or in her early 80s and she's still doing conferences and she didn't start working out i think until she was almost 60 or something Mm -hmm. she talks she talks about it
0: oh yeah And i'm like
1: that is a purpose-driven woman and i have to have energy so energy is the new currency in the wellness world energy if you don't have energy you can have all the money in the world but if you don't have energy so getting the hormones getting the proper supplementation sleeping drink, hydrating, keeping the stress. I mean, I fiercely protect my, especially after Real Housewives, I fiercely protect my energy because I'm an empath. I feel every, I, I just, I can feel everyone's energy and I've learned now how to harness that. And I I could see how much inflammation when you're in around toxic people or drama or yelling or fight, it literally, literally causes inflammation in your body. so all of these people coming together it's it's it is that generation wellness is what we say on my wellness by nature so what you're saying exactly and i love my parents they're salt of the earth people we're talking about you know exactly where they live but at in their generation i always love to look at the contrast so we are focused on generation wellness so our we are learning this at a great time so we can you know have longevity, have energy, optimize our hormones. But our, my parents didn't have the resources. My dad still, he's like, well, my doctor said, and I'm like, daddy, please. Like, so they're both diabetic my, and I'm so proud of my mom because she's seen what my dad has gone through. So she's doing all the things to prevent, you know, and you can reverse diabetes. So she's doing wonderful with that, keeping her weight down and changing her diet and things like that. So their generation was the opposite. They didn't have the resources. They they did listen to their regular conventional doctors as as gospel. Uh, So we're all about we're all about this next generation. I was just texting with a girlfriend who has a fortieth birthday next week, and you know my friends will all talk about like you know I'm fifty. It's like fifty is the new fit 40 or 30. And I feel better now than I did when I was 30. And I, she was like, I had to keep up with y'all because a lot of our friends are closer to my age. I said, girl, you are so lucky in your 30s to learn these things, to learn these supplements, to learn all of this. Just imagine how great you're going to feel when you're at my age, because I just really got serious about this at 45 after what happened with
0: the show. And yeah, and a lot of people are that way. You know, know, I get the question, well, what's the difference between a conventional doctor and a holistic doctor? Well, a conventional doctor means you're going to be sitting in the waiting room for an hour to see him for seven minutes versus a holistic doctor where you get to go in and he he or she will sit there and listen to you for an hour. And the whole point is laying out a plan which a conventional doctor does not do. This is more just write the prescription, go down to Walgreens and get it filled. But a holistic doctor listens, takes time. It's about setting out the plan so you can get better. And I think it is so amazing, Tiffany, that you're bringing forth this program, So Thrive, to introduce all of these experts to all of everyone out in America. What is the future for the show, and where can people see these episodes?
1: ah it's so exciting because we, we did a filming in Belize last year after 2020 and seeing even in different parts of the world how people, because of the pandemic and everything that happened in 2020 and, and the, the idea of your immune system being at the forefront and, and taking the power, like you mentioned, these holistic doctors definitely partner with you. And, and my wellness by nature is about bringing all those types of doctors together. So So Thrive is an extension of that, of course, hosted by me. And so it has my spin on it. And even in Belize, talking to women there that took everything in their own hands and started their own businesses because of 2020, from yoga instructors to uh, we we interviewed supposedly in Belize, all that region, only there were only plant medicinal men. So I got to interview a woman that was one of the only female medicinal, like she can pick a plant off any tree and tell you what it does and what it's for. And so what she's doing now is empowering the little kids and she'll teach little workshops teaching children. So again, Generation Wellness, where we're talking to all these types of people that do have the interest. It's like, you know, it's like the veil is lifted. So having these, these conversations all over, Uh, it's, it's a joy because I love people. I love learning and being able to do it in this more docu series. We call it edutainment. It's (laughs) educational, but it's entertaining and, uh, Christian and Casey, we're like family. And so, uh, we just, it is about that, that beautiful collaboration. And so the people and the energy that you bring together, um, is just really to help the rest of the planet and, 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 and teach teach. It's these small little things. They're little small changes that you can make. And it's what I've done in my own life. You know, they say you often teach the, the. you know, I've had many valleys, the rock bottom and the, you know, the valley moments and the mountaintops, but I can teach it because I've been through it. That's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So and uh, ladies and, exactly. And, you know, ladies and gentlemen, go to, and you'll see at the bottom of your screen, mywellnessbynature.com slash so thrive and uh you need to check out all of the episodes and tiffany is just doing a fantastic job uh, yes. tiffany, you know the thing is about wellness especially in the last couple of years i think a lot of people are finally catching on finally yeah realize that we are the ones that need to take charge of our own health our own journey our own purpose with the Lord's help, leading and guiding the whole way, we're created in His image. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, we have free will, and we yes. can either damage it or we can make it thrive. Right. Exactly.
1: So it's those decisions every day, right? So with food, with women, I say, is this life-giving food or is this, is this dead food? It's little simple, does this choice empower me or does it disempower me?
0: That's right. And it's all, right. and the magic word is choice. So we have the power to make the right choice. So it's kind of like, and you know this, we can either choose, it takes the same energy to choose fear or to choose faith. Which one are you going to go with? Because one's going to keep you in the same spot. The other one will propel you to a new destiny and a new journey. And, uh, Comes down to choice. So if you know thrive or die. So that's what it comes down to. I, we, we ought to have biker shirts that say thrive or die. Yeah. But uh, uh, but ladies and gentlemen, check out TiffanyHindra.com on the bottom of your screen. Uh, if you want to follow her across all the social medias, it's at Tiffany And wow, Tiffany, I've had and I've had an enjoyable time with you and wow and i can't wait to see where your tv series so thrive is just going to go from here
1: yeah me too i appreciate it thank you for this opportunity i love what you're doing as well it's all with that that collective choice to be of purpose and to use the platform to share positivity to share stories and these little bitty even on my wellness by nature when you're talking about that as a path you can go on there and choose your own wellness path and you get little nuggets. And it is is—it is not as hard as you think. So thank you for this opportunity. It's been a joy. True oh, joy.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, Tiffany. And, and ladies, ladies and gentlemen, let me encourage you right now that you can make a change. And just like Tiffany said, the changes could be small. But remember, mm-hmm. a snowball turns into an avalanche. So take one step. If all you do today or tomorrow is start drinking water, just doing one thing, you will be surprised on what happens day after day. Good, healthy change can come your way. So again, feel free to go to mywellnessbynature.com slash So Thrive. Check out every episode of Tiffany's So Thrive TV docu-series, you're going to learn a lot. And remember, all the time, knowledge is power. You know, it's like reading your Bible. The more you read it, the more you learn, the more your eyes are opened. You can see things that you've never seen before. And it will happen when you start treating your body, your mind, and your spirit right. All of a sudden, one day, you're going to look in the mirror and go, that's a new person because you started making the right decisions. And again, check out Tiffany Hendrick, go to tiffanyhindra.com. And one more thing, Tiffany, what will people find at your personal website?
1: They will find my story. They will find how to work with me. I do a lot of workshops. I have a mastermind of women. It's all based on Queen Esther and being the queen of your life. So it is all about empowerment and all all of the links to everything that I do. And I love connecting, especially with women who are ready and they make that choice. I always say when a woman makes up her mind, the world shifts.
0: Oh, there you go. And ladies and gentlemen, and especially you ladies out there, it is time to live your most authentic, Mm -hmm. vibrant, purposeful and courageous life and Tiffany Hendra is here to help you do that. So again, go to tiffanyhindra.com. And as for me, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for not only watching, but hold on. We'll be right back after this.